0: Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Bandy K. Part. You are listening to episode 39 titled Four Reflections to Find Solid Ground. This week I wanted to give you a few solid tools for when your footing feels unstable. Moving through grief, we tend to hurry and often find ourselves slipping into old ways of thinking, feeling, and behaving that reinforce the hurt when we are ready to move into healing. So this week, we're going to discuss how to move into lament and why it's so valuable. We in the West are young in thought and practice. Although we often lay claim to ancient beliefs, our Western perspectives have much to learn from common practices in the East that are easily accessible, such as lament. I recently finished reading You Can Talk to God Like That by Abby Norman. It's a fast read with rich reminders of the invitation to become honest, open, and available to feel the full range of our human experience in grief. If you're in a faith practice, you may have experienced a teaching or two, diminishing your human experience, your emotions, or even your thoughts or body as untrustworthy. That some part of you, if left to truly become quote unquote wild or fully reflective, would offend the figureheads of your faith, leaving you outside the inner circle. While that belief structure alone is cause enough for grief, it would also lead to a life of repression. You're believing that what you contain in and of yourself is not worthy, not valid, or not healthy to pay attention to, all of which is untrue. Learning to acknowledge and embrace the fullness of our emotional selves is not only taught and demonstrated through honest faith practices, it's encouraged. Lament is so much bigger than letting your tears fall. It is the practice of allowing our sounds to speak on our behalf. When we have no words, our spirit reaches deeper for the emotion and brings our cries to a power much beyond our own. When we admit we are in distress, then in time we find release. When we suppress our big thoughts, emotions, and feelings, we fall into disarray. Our connection to self, others, and often our faith feels tenuous at best. The threads are thin and ready to snap at the first sign of our emotional upheaval. But when we lean into the practice of lament, we engage the heart of our creative selves. We are made for expression, and in grief that expression is cut short. We often believe the lie that if we do not have words, we have nothing worth saying. But articulating our emotions or our experiences are not limited to eloquence. It is our deepest cries that allow the guttural truth of our loss to rise up, to be heard, and to release from every aspect of our being. Lament is intentional and pointed. Our questions directed at the self and our loss must be equally intentional if we hope to rise again. We cannot rely upon the interpretation of another to understand or express who we are and what we need. And indeed, although we may share a common faith with another person, Rest assured that we all have our own interpretations, understanding, and approach to that text based on who we are as we read the work. And the same is true of grief. So it is with great humility that I offer these four questions that may help you understand the intensity of the grief you're experiencing. Learning to lament allows the big pressure-filled emotions to finally pop. The pressure releases eventually, whether slowly or all at once. That's up to you and how you want to grieve. If grieving in isolation with the occasional explosion works well for you, then feel free to continue along that path. But if you recognize that misalignment in your mind, heart, body, and spirit are affecting your daily life more than you'd like, then perhaps it's time to set aside a time to lament. So here are the four questions, okay? There's a transcript on my website if you want to go back and look at them later, so don't feel like you need to write them down now. First, what emotion am I feeling right now after expressing my sorrow? Be specific when this comes up, not just anger. Is it rage? Is it disgust or disappointment? Are you bitter, jealous, infuriated, hostile, belligerent? Practice identifying the specifics and ask someone to talk it through with you if you feel stuck. And if you're unsure of all those words that you need to find specific emotions, take a moment to look up the human system's emotion wheel. It leads you from the familiar emotions like happy, sad, or angry into more intentional specific emotions that are both comfortable and uncomfortable because sometimes our biggest block is our lack of language to describe what we're experiencing. Okay, question two. Do I feel this emotion anywhere in my body as well? Maybe your head is pounding or your fists are clenched. Is your stomach upset? How's your jaw? How's your vision? How's your hearing? Sometimes I get little ringing in my ears when I'm so angry. And this is our invitation back into the intentional for and on behalf of our bodies. Question three What is the next right thing I can do for my body to address this grief? It's a simple response here. If your throat is hurting, make tea. If your body is stiff, maybe take a short walk. Add a sweater if you're cold. Drink cool water if you're overheating. Taking care of yourself in the physical makes a difference, even if it seems so unnecessary or simple. Because here, nothing needs to be complicated. We are moving slowly. And the fourth question how does this emotion I'm feeling connect to the love I felt for the loss that I suffered? As you calm down from any big responses, because in those questions, it's okay when they rise up. If you need to yell or scream or cry or punch a pillow or just sob, sip on your tea if you made some and just observe yourself. No judgments. Moving through grief consistently, even in little moments like this, is crucial for our healing. It's like preparing for a speech. The very first time is intimidating, but the more often we do it, the more familiar it becomes. Even if it still churns our tummy, that means we are in a place of humility and connection to ourselves, and we can be mindful about the way we move forward. It may still suck, (laughs) and we may still get stage fright or be nervous that someone will judge how we're experiencing or expressing ourselves, but in our hearts, we are building confidence true resiliency, and leading into the beauty of our own complexity. Scheduling a time to lament and to work through all of these questions are typically two separate times because lament doesn't need structure or an outcome or questions to process. It needs your honesty. As Abby Norman describes in her book, quote, I don't know who decided that holy people don't suffer. We are allowed to bring our broken bits to God. We're allowed to talk to God like we are working out a relationship with all the ups and downs and hard times. We don't always have to be happy. We don't always have to look on the bright side. God does not and never will ask that of us. The Bible leaves a lot of space for lament and not just in a soft and delicate way. So the reflections I offered above are intended to bring you into the present. It may feel awkward or scary to approach your faith practice or your grief with the intention of lament. So becoming honest with yourself about your experience or hesitation is often the best first step. And whether or not you are in the habit of taking notes and journaling, your grief process will benefit from these compassionate observations of self. So the next time you notice the floodwaters rising, let them crash through the barrier and practice these gentle questions for yourself as you return to a sense of quiet. Thank you for listening to episode 39 of Restorative Grief. Lament is often positioned as a Bible-based practice, which I think is silly. Although the book I referenced is related to the Christian faith, I think lament is the guttural language that we all contain. And I know it's not pretty, but it's honest. And when things are pretty, honestly, I have questions. (laughs) I may be cynical, but even I know that pretty is usually a mask to some degree. Like makeup. We wear it to enhance the reality of our faces or, occasionally, to cover up and hide what we do not want to be seen. Allowing ourselves to lament might be a little like showing up in the public arena with mascara streaming down your face. And no one seems to care, right? Or better yet. Someone reaches out with a tissue and a bottle of water because they've been there and the emotions are universal. The moment we can stop embodying shame for our emotional selves is the moment we embrace our humanity in the most beautiful and honest way possible. And that, my friends, that is healing. If this is your first time listening to Restorative Grief, I want to thank you for making time to show up on your own behalf. I hope this episode brings you a little insight into what you might need for your own grief story. Please y'all remember to subscribe to the show and leave your reviews on Apple podcasts so that others can find this work. If you're encouraged by it or have questions, you can always come find me on all the social media platforms under at Mandy K. part I'd love to hear from you. I love connecting with people and hearing their grief stories. So please feel free. Also, there are links to my other grief work as well as Abby's book that I mentioned and the Human Systems Emotion Wheel in the show notes. So be sure to check all of those out. And one last thing before we go, please remember, the only solution for grief is to do the work of grieving. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.